church, and we were so excited when Angela said that the topic for today's service was what is religion, because that's most of our repertoire already. Uh, we had lots of choices, so um, we have Keith Morris over there on guitar and mandolin, Vance bass, Vance bass, <laughs> bass, on Vance bass, he's not playing bass today, Vance bass on guitars and vocals, Jenny Johns on vocals, Chris Paul back here on the drums, Evan Kennedy Sadek on electric bass, and I'm Susan Peck. And we're going to start off with a song that looks at religion as God in us. What if God was one of us? Song by Joan Osborne. So one of these nights about 12 o'clock, this old world's gonna reel and rock. Saints will tremble and cry for pain, for the Lord's gonna come in his heavenly airplane.
God is great. Yeah, yeah, God is good. Yeah, 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 yeah. What if God was one of us? Just a slob like one of us. Just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. Just trying to make his way home. Like a holy rolling stone. Except for the Pope maybe in Rome. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to shift from God in us, in humans, to the holy in everything. Song by Peter Mayer. Consecrate the holy bread, everyone would kneel and bow. Now the only difference is everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. When I was in Sunday school, we would learn about the time Moses split the sea in two, and Jesus, Jesus made the water wine. I remember feeling sad, miracles don't happen still, now I can't keep track, cause, cause everything's, everything's a miracle. miracle. Everything, everything, everything's a miracle. Wine into water is not so small, but an even better magic trick is that anything is here at all. So the challenging thing becomes to look for miracles but finding where there is one when holy water was rare at best i barely wet my fingertips now i have to hold my breath because i'm swimming in a sea of it used to be a world half there Heaven's second-rate hand-me-downs Now I'm walking with the reverent air 
Cause everything's holy now Everything, everything Everything is holy scripture verse made me want to bow my head I remember when church let out how things have changed since then everything is holy now used to be a world half there heaven's second rate hand-me-downs now I'm walking with the reverend air Cause everything's holy now <laughs> We do love Peter Mayer's wonderful songs. His lyrics are just really speak to religion and spirituality and Unitarian Universalism. <laughs> We're going to end our gathering time here with a song by Iris Dement. This is for all the agnostics out there. We're going to just <laughs> let the mystery be. Everybody's wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody's worrying about where they're going to go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, so it's all the same to me. Think I'll just let the mystery be. Some say once you're gone, you're gone forever. Some say you're going to come back. Some say you rest in the arms of the Savior if in sinful ways you lack. Some say that they're coming back in the garden but your carrots and little sweet peas. Think I'll just let the mystery be. Everybody's wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody's worried about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. 
it ain't a fact But I've heard that I'm on the road to purgatory And I don't like the sound of that spirit for our call to worship. gather here to worship, to seek the truth, to grow in love, to join in service, to celebrate life's beauty and find healing for its pain, to honor our kinship with each other and with the earth, to create a more compassionate world beginning with ourselves, to wonder at the mystery that gave us birth to find courage for the journey's end, and to listen for the wisdom that guides us in the quietness of each moment. Come, let us worship together. I invite you to grab that gray hymnal on the underneath the chair and open to number 347 to sing with us, Gather the Spirit. This is by a UU composer, Jim Scott.
please be seated. Good morning on the first day, Sunday, of summer. I'm Judy Goring, your worship leader this morning. Whether you are in the physical or virtual sanctuary, in the social hall or family room, all are welcome. I invite you to take a moment to look around. Notice who's sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. Our services are multi-generational, and they sometimes tend to be a little lively. Kids are welcome to sit right up front here or anywhere in the sanctuary. We have a playground down in front for our smallest congregants with a soft rug and very cool toys. There's a children's table in the back. There's some quiet activities for kids to do. And for youngsters, you know, who could use a little more room to move around, the family room across the hall has toys and a live feed of this service. We are one people of many beliefs, many origins, sexualities, and genders. We are all growing, all learning, and we are all loved. You are all welcome here. going to do a little meditation and prayer in a minute here. But first, I just want to take a minute to lift up Justin Angle, who's back in the sound booth back there. Justin has been our technical arts director for the last eight months. <laughs> he has overseen all the audio and visual components, audio and video components of worship, um, and has very importantly, helped our Zoom services run well. When he started, we were just uh, getting ready to have hybrid services for the first time. Previously, we'd had just Zoom and just in-person, and now we were gonna do one together. And his uh, leadership on that was essential to make our Zoom worship experience still feel so good when it was um, part of a big room instead of just a minister looking right into a camera. Today is Justin's last day. He, yes, I know, <laughs> he is moving on to other projects uh, in the film industry, which is his specialty. And Justin, thank you so much for all that you've done. We will miss you here. <laughs> and we wish you the very best. Let's breathe now. Been doing it all morning. Maybe haven't really thought about it. Go ahead and turn your attention to your breath now. And to this body of yours that woke up again this morning. Heart beating, blood moving through you, thoughts to think. However your body is doing right now, Give it some thanks. And with your breathing, see if you can let your heart space expand. Let your chest expand with your inhalation.
Maybe let the crown of your head rise a little bit, if that's comfortable for you. Opening up some space in your spine. Maybe your shoulders can drop a little bit. Just let your body be at ease. With our breathing, may a spirit of compassion move among us. Compassion for self. Compassion for others. We continue in stillness, in meditation. When your mind wanders, just gently bring it back. morning outside I stood and saw a little red-winged bird shining like a burning bush singing like a scripture verse made me want to bow my head I remember when church let out how things have changed since then Everything is holy now Used to be a world half there Heaven's second-rate hand-me-downs Now I'm walking with a reverent air Cause everything's holy now Let's lift up some prayers in our community. With joy, we celebrate the arrival of Christine Robinson and William Baker's first grandchild. <laughs> oh, <laughs> a little uh, grandson named Neil Audrey Baker, who was born yesterday. Blessings to all. We lift up Bonnie Cleveland, whose mother died this week. May light perpetual shine upon her mother, 
May Bonnie be comforted in this time. We lift up Ken Osland, who is recovering from an injury. May his healing be swift. And I invite you to add the names in your hearts. Call them to mind now. Any people or places that could use a little prayer. And speak them aloud as the chime rings so that we can hold them with you. All these we lift up to the great powers of healing and celebration and renewal called by many names. And we give thanks. We give thanks for all that is good and holy, for love, for life, for what sustains us. We give thanks for the air which bathes us night and day, the air our breath, breath of our ancestors, breath of the trees and beasts moving around and around in great cycles, the air which passes through ocean and sky. We give thanks for water, the water that flows in streams and storms and in our bodies. Water which formed a womb with the earth in primordial times and gave birth to life and to us and to everyone we love. We give thanks for the fire this morning, burning in the sun, warm energy that dances with water and air, feeds the plants and trees and plankton. The sun, which shined on us with all its light and life-giving energy on the summer solstice this week. And we give thanks for the earth, our mother, our home, for her nourishing darkness and mountainous strength and her ageless patience. We give thanks for the earth. In our gratitudes, may we be grounded and strong. May we be held as we hold others. And may we make our lives a blessing upon the world through our manner of being. Amen. And peace be with you. So, as a band, we've had a lot, a lot of fun finding songs about different kinds of religion. And um, it's kind of fun, because when you start looking for songs for atheists, in some ways it's like everything else. But this is a song written by Steve Martin, specifically for atheists. Let's see, did we get, let's get Dave's mic set up. We need another mic. We need Dave's mic. Does he have it? Yeah. yeah. All right, let me get over there. Got to be part of the quartet. Quintet. Christians have Christians have hymns, hymns and pages, pages hymns and pages Havanagilas for the, the Jews for the Jews Baptists have the rock of ages rock of ages atheists, atheists just sing the blues 
Romantics play. Romantics play. Claire de Lune. Claire de Lune. Born again. Sing he is risen. But no one ever wrote a tune. Wrote a tune. For godless existentialism. For atheists, there's no good news. They'll never sing a song of faith. In their songs, they have a rule that he is always lowercase. That he is always lowercase. Some folks sing a cantata. cantata. Lutherans get Christmas trees. Christmas trees. Atheists add up to nada. Up to nada. But they do. But they do have Sundays free. Have Sundays free. Pentecostalists sing. Pentecostals sing. Sing to heaven. Sing to heaven. Coptics had the book of scrolls. Book of scrolls. Numerologists count. Count to seven. Five, six, seven. Atheists have rock and roll. Have rock and roll. For atheists, there's no good news. They'll never sing a song of faith. In their songs, they have a rule that the he is always lowercase. That he is always lowercase. Atheist. Atheists don't have no songs. Christians have. Christians have the hymns and pages. Havanagilas for the Jews. Baptists have the Rock of Ages. Atheists just sing the blues. Catholics dress up for Mass and listen to Gregorian chants. Atheists just take a pass. Watch football in their underpants. Watch football in their underpants. Atheists. Atheists. Don't have no songs. Don't have no songs. <laughs> I like that one. Prop, props to Keith Morris for those high notes. <laughs> Must I preach after that? <laughs> Atheists don't have no songs, but they can still have a religion. Wait, can they? What do you think? This congregation has a lot of atheists in it. Anybody? An atheist out there? Yeah. I'll bet there's even more than raise their hand, because usually people take a minute to decide if they feel comfortable raising their hand. They're not sure where I'm going with this. <laughs> I might talk directly to them, which could be horrifying. <laughs> Over the years, it seems pretty consistently that about a third of our congregation identifies as atheist. 
However, I am regularly informed that Unitarian Universalism is not a religion. I'm informed by people out, you know, in the wider world who hear what I do and what kind of place this is. I'm informed it's not a religion or I am pointedly questioned by people who are clearly skeptical. And I find this kind of amusing because, I mean, you know. <laughs> Right? <laughs> You're in a sanctuary where an ordained leader in special weird clothes has just led a prayer. We've got fire, we've got hymnals, we've got stained glass even, or our take on it. In a bell tower, okay, well, it's not, there's no bell, it's conceptual. <laughs> We're postmodern. Some have said UU is post-Christian too. I'm not big on that term, but I get where they're coming from with it. it. The tradition was once Christian, and it kept evolving and became something else, UU. Back in the mid-20th century, we've been at this for a while. I'm told this isn't really a church or a religion, but we seem to be doing church pretty darn well, actually. Last week at our church staff retreat, and I think that they think they work at a church also, at the retreat I went over some recent research on emerging trends in congregational life. My colleague, the Reverend Jen Crow, the senior minister at First Universalist Church in Minneapolis, brought this research to my attention, and I thank her for that. She attended a conference on it, and she sent a big reflection about it uh, to our group, Smolik which stands for Senior Ministers of Large UU Congregations. Smolik, but it's for big, big deals, right? <laughs> the research comes from a five-year research project with a big name. It's called, this is the name of the whole project, Exploring the Pandemic Impact on Congregations, Innovation Amidst and Beyond COVID-19. It sounds like an academic paper. Luckily, though, the web address is shorter, and you can go there if you want to check it out sometime. It's just covidreligionresearch.org. So this is a big study. It's cross-denominational. It's racially and culturally diverse. Uh, it's based on U.S. congregations. It included 173 UU congregations participating, and there's uh, also a whole breakout set of UU-specific data. If anybody wants to geek out on this, you can find the links in the text version of this sermon that I'll post on the website this week. So here are some notable findings I want to share with you. One uh, is that when churches reopened in person in 2021, which is what most of them did, attendance averaged only about 85% of what it was pre-COVID. So pretty much everybody saw a drop. The next year, in the spring of 2022, Attendance numbers were about the same. They seemed to just plateau there. Here's a little side note. In January of this year, another research organization, the American Enterprise Institute, released a new report from their research, which they'd asked, you know, in the middle of this changing attendance, had people's religious identities changed? Did people still identify the same way? And they found that it was mostly stable. So it's not, it wasn't that. But they did notice that young people, singles, and people who called themselves liberal had stopped attending church at higher rates than other Americans. Before the pandemic, 31% of self-identified liberals did not attend church, and after the pandemic, that number had risen to 
That is a big jump. It's about a 50% jump in the number of self-identified liberals who don't go to church. So that would impact a place like this, probably. So here's a question for you. What percent of our pre-COVID worship attendance do you think we are at now? I invite you to call it out. 60, 75, 80, 85. When I asked the staff at the retreat, they were kind of all over the place. I think I heard everything from like 40 to 75 or 80. So pre-COVID, worship attendance at First Unitarian was an average of about 350 per Sunday. And so far this year, the average number of logins on Zoom, we're going to come back to that in a second, but the average number of logins plus in-person attendance is 289. So Zoom is weird because you can't see everybody who's attending on Zoom, right? A person can log in and there could be two other people over here in their pajamas. In fact, we know you use are hanging out in their pajamas because they told us on that survey we did back in April, right? When we asked about church attendance and masking, 16% of respondents to that survey said the reason they attend on Zoom is for the pajamas. So, <laughs> so when we think about attendance and Zoom, we have to be aware that the actual number is higher than the number of logins. We're not entirely sure how to estimate that. Um, this morning, for example, there were about 85 logins and about 95 visible people. And so maybe there were 100 or more attenders. But if we guess that another 10 to 20 people might be attending on Zoom than the number of logins, that gets us to an attendance of 299 to 309, which is 85 to 88% of pre-pandemic attendance. Okay. So we're doing pretty well in this larger context. We're doing about how other congregations are doing, maybe slightly better. In the research, the number of participants in children's programming told a different, even more challenging story, actually. Children's attendance is down nationally in this survey 30%, so twice as much as adult attendance. And youth groups are down 40%. But our youth group is going gangbusters. It's great. <laughs> we have a wonderful youth group. Participation is really strong. We've had some wonderful services recently that were, had youth participation. Kids are attending our worship services often now, and they are part of that headcount when we talk about attendance. We now have at least five dedicated ways for families with small children to participate. Judy mentioned three of them this morning, the playground, the activity table, and the family room that's across the hall. And in addition, we've got a playground and nursery that's open during one of the services and special children's programming in between our two services at 10. And all of our services are multi-generational now in their content. So the survey revealed, this research revealed, that congregations that are willing to change to meet new challenges, congregations that think they're going to come out stronger in the end after the pandemic, are called optimistic congregations. It doesn't mean that they think everything's gonna be easy or that there are no bumps in the road or they're not having any problems, but the basic belief that we're gonna come out stronger and we can face our challenges is a key. And that sense of optimism is correlated with growth. Growth and embracing diversity and with spiritual vitality. 
Those are the congregations that are thinking in new ways about vision and mission, and they've identified and embraced new opportunities for, for ministry. So here, what that's looked like in part is adopting the eighth principle, really becoming radically welcoming for our trans and non-binary members and guests, especially in this wider context. Congregations have reported that the pandemic caused them to think differently about their relationships with other organizations in their community and with their campus use. And that's been really true for us too. We now share our campus with two other congregations, with Menara Muslim Community and with Albuquerque Center for Spiritual Living. And that has brought opportunities for connection and vitality for pulpit sharing. Bob and I both participated in a Center for Spiritual Living service a couple weeks ago, and their minister, Amani, preached here back in May. We also rent the what used to be called the ARC building out to a rehabilitation uh, organization. So there's a lot of sharing and community connections happening more than before the pandemic, and that is associated with success as well. And congregations that are thriving now let the disruption usher in changes that had been long overdue and that might have seemed daunting before everything fell apart, right? <laughs> so one example here is our 9 a.m. service is at 9. It used to always be at 9.30. We couldn't do programming in between. We always ran out of parking, but moving it felt impossible. <laughs> so we were able to do that. Creating multi-generational worship was another one and leaving behind our old model of children's programming where they had classes concurrent with the adult worship and everybody was spread out and separated. It was time to ditch that. It hadn't worked very well for years. So those are some examples. Also recently, Joy Berry, the, our denomination's children and families faith development specialist gave a presentation that was part of a, a big um, uh, workshop on trends in parish ministry. She reported that multi-generational worship is one of the things that is working well for UU congregations across the country, and that the ones that have leaned into that are doing better than the ones that tried to just revert back to the old way of doing things. So there was a lot that emerged from this research that when I looked at what we're doing here, we had, we had begun doing many of the things that are associated with thriving successful, resilient congregations, and I'm really proud of us. This is not a me thing, this is an all of us thing. It was really exciting to see that. And I wanna throw in here, we're still a teaching congregation. Kristen Famula finished her internship last Sunday. It was a great internship, um, and we will miss her. And some have asked if we're gonna have another intern. Yes, absolutely. When Bob returns from sabbatical, we'll start recruiting an intern to begin in 2024. And that's keeping with our usual pattern of beginning an internship about every other year. So that's where we're at with that. We are still facing some challenges, of course, and those are similar to the ones that are facing other congregations as well. One challenge is that our membership numbers are shifting, and we really don't know what the trend is there yet, because not enough time has passed. We've had a lot of folks leave during the three years of pandemic. We've had new people join, but we're just, it takes a while for that to settle so that we can say, okay, this year, here's what it looked like. So we're waiting for that. Our last fundraising campaign for the operating budget, the fall stewardship campaign, came in low overall, but the average pledge individual households made was up. So it was mixed news, and I, I actually find that encouraging, that average pledge was up. The big one is that volunteerism has not rebounded, and we're learning to adapt to that. So a church has a staff, but it's really 
the congregation that gets things done in a congregation. It's the people. And the research project indicated that the percent of church attenders who regularly volunteer in their congregations had dropped from 44% pre-pandemic to 15% post. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Trauma, exhaustion, priorities realigned, right? A lot of reasons for that. But what it says is there's gonna be a continued need for adaptation and change and innovation as we discern together what it is that feeds us, what nourishes all of us, what do we want to do so that getting involved is a gift that supports everybody. Here's one more thing I wanna share with you. According to a Gallup poll last year, belief in God has reached an all-time low in the US. 81% of Americans believe in God, down from 87% six years ago. And that's been ticking downward for a while. Younger and more liberal identifying individuals are least likely to express a belief in God, according to their studies, and that continues a pre-existing trend. So belief in God going down, to which we say, okay, right? <laughs> Have we got a religion for you, right? <laughs> Which brings me back to my first question, what is religion? Because if it is defined, as my skeptics seem to think, as a certain set of beliefs, like as a creed, as truth claims about God and such, then this is something else. But that is a very limited, very Western idea about the definition of religion. The Islamist scholar and former dean of Harvard Divinity School, William Graham, points out that in most of the world's languages, there really is no equivalent for the category that we've developed in the Western world as religion. What the West calls religion might be called dharma in one place or compassion in another. The word deen in Arabic gets translated as religion in English, but it actually just means the right way. Dean is the right way. And it's more specific than the word religion. It's not the same. Let's ask Wikipedia. If you look religion up there, Wikipedia says it's, get ready, a system of symbols which acts to establish powerful, pervasive, and long-lasting moods and motivations in men by formulating conceptions of a general order of existence and clothing these conceptions with such an aura of factuality that the moods and motivations seem uniquely realistic. <laughs> well, <laughs> I have a bachelor's and a master's degree in religious studies, and I think that is an absolutely terrible definition, okay? <laughs> I could also tell as soon as I saw it that it comes from the anthropologist Clifford Gertz, whose book I have on a shelf in my office. He was required reading in one of my classes. He was a hugely influential 20th century anthropologist. But this definition from Gertz sounds condescending, frankly. Like religion's thing is to formulate conceptions with an aura of factuality. Like in other words, to just come up with ideas and make them sound true. Okay, again, that's boiling religion down to a set of truth claims too. 
William Graham says another way to take a crack at the question is to say, religion refers to the fact that there's more to the world of experience than meets the eye. You could take that a lot of ways. There's more than meets the eye. I think a very universal way, though, is probably to talk about meaning, the depth aspect of life. Because we don't just skim along on the surface of our lives living, at least not for long, before we develop a deep yearning to make sense of our lives. Right? We are made in such a way by whatever mysterious powers we are made, we're made in such a way that meaninglessness causes us deep despair. We make meaning out of life. And meaning is more than meets the eye, right? It's an interpretation of what meets the eye. Meaning is one of the primary tasks of religion. And you can make meaning by coming up with a set of truth claims. That's one way to do it. Or you can make meaning by reflecting on what in life is meaningful, what makes our hearts sing, what gives us hope, in what ways are we part of something larger that gives us a sense of purpose and meaning, in what ways are our own little lives imbued with meaning of their own. When we live out these questions in community, organizing our time and thoughts and practices around our answers to them, I would say that's when we have religion. And if you want to get a little fancier and more specific about it, you could probably say religion also tends to involve synchronized practices, like showing up together at a Sunday service. And it involves the use of symbols, like crisscrossing ceiling beams representing interconnectedness or art, or gem tone windows, like a rainbow of perspectives. There are so many ways to be religious, and doing so is such an ancient human impulse that there are thousands of religions in the world. There's up to 10,000 religions in the world, depending on who you ask. Over the next couple of months, we're gonna take a closer look at some of those. We're not gonna cover most of them, if there are 10,000 religions, there are about 9,992 that we're not going to get to. <laughs> but we'll spend some time thinking about some major ones. Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, the Imam of Minara Muslim community, Imam Abdurraouf Campos Marchetti, is going to be our guest speaker on that Sunday, talking about Islam. Rabbi Celia Sorge will come from Congregation Albert to talk with us about Judaism. And Native American musician Randy Granger will be our guest speaker on Native American spirituality. Randy has been a very beloved musician who regularly plays here at First Unitarian, but did you know he also preaches and teaches? I did not, and I'm glad to know it now, thanks to Susan. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what he has to share. We are even going to have a guest preacher come and talk about Unitarian Universalism in early August. You've heard everything I have to say about it already. So my colleague, Amanda Poppy, who I also know from that small group I mentioned earlier, she's going to be visiting in August. She's the senior minister at the UU Church of Arlington, and she's also the past president of the UU Humanist Association. 
I got to hear her preached earlier this year, and I think you'll really enjoy meeting her. So each week, we'll hear about a different tradition. It might be an overview, it might be a snapshot, or it might be a closer look at a particular aspect or story. I'm calling it the Summer Seminary Sermon Series. <laughs> See you soon at that. <laughs> I look forward to sharing this time with you. We are a welcoming church. In the early hours of June 28, 1969, the Stonewell Inn, a popular gay bar in New York City, was raided by police that started six days of rioting. A year later, the first gay pride parade sets off from Stonewall. 54 years later, our church continues to support justice for the LGBTQIQ communities by intergenerational participation in the annual citywide Pride Fest and Pride Parade in June. And to include our very own trans, non-binary support and advocacy group. We are a caring church. Our care team with trained visitors provide compassionate, respectful listening and other assistance to members of our community in need and celebration. The adult language, literacy and citizenship group serving immigrant adults in the community. The after school tutoring group providing one-on-one -on -one tutoring to at-risk students in our neighborhood. Our food pantry provides shopping, packing, and distributing food to those in need via drive-through distribution operations. Our Change for the Future partner this month offers another way we support our community. Libros for Kids partners with Dolly Pardon's Imagination Library to mail free books each month to children in Bernalillo and Valencia counties. With a free book each month from birth to age five, each child receives their own library of 60 books, including 12 bilingual titles. You can earmark your donation to Libros for Kids by using the envelope on the back of the chair writing CFF on the envelope. Your generosity sustains this community and all the bodies in it. And those are just a few of the different things we do for our communities. With your love and support, our church continues to engage with the many needs of our communities. We will now gratefully receive the offering. This is a song by Sullivan Pugh, who was an African-American Christian musician and teacher. But this particular song reflects the notion that faith without works is empty. Called May the Work I've Done Speak for Me. Mm -hmm. 
May the work I've done speak for me when I'm resting in my grave and there's nothing more to say. May the work I've done speak for me. May the life I live Everyone, thank you for your generosity on behalf of our congregation and on behalf of Libros for Kids. Thank you, ushers. We've got a few invitations to share. You want to start us out? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Our very own Young Adults Affinity Group, ages 18 to 35, invites younger people, their children, and anyone who feels called to join to a pride party with social games, food, music, dancing, 
and an open mic that you can sign up at the party. It's today at 1.30 in the Arnold Room. Pride party today at 1.30 in the Arnold Room. It's that way in the courtyard. Well, this was unexpected. Our ice machine broke in the social hall. <laughs> A new ice machine, commercial quality ice machine, costs about $3,000. So this is not a campaign, but I'm wondering if there are a few angels in the congregation who want to help keep a coffee hour cool. <laughs> if that's you, please let me or the church office know. We would appreciate it very much. Angela mentioned earlier that our very own Justin back there uh, is moving on. So that creates a vacancy. <laughs> so please, you're all invited to help us find our next technical arts director, and the link to that you'll find in the order of service. We really appreciate your help spreading the word about that position because word of mouth is a great way to add uh, new staff members to the church. Many people have been asking me what the heck I'm going to do as the only minister on staff right now for the next four months. I, I appreciate your thinking about that. Um, I want to draw your attention to the messenger, our newsletter that's going to come out this week. The cover article is about that. It's about what I'm going to do in these next four months, um, what I'm not going to be able to do. And I think that uh, in addition to just helping you know what to expect, many will find it interesting to just see what, what goes into running a church. Like, why does it take so many hours? What are we doing, we ministers, when we're not here, right? So if you've been curious about that, I invite you to check out that article. All right, we are about to have coffee hour. I think somebody brought in some ice for today, probably. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and as you continue on with conversations there, um, you might like to join the chat table, which is a dedicated table where people are using a conversation starter to get the discussion going. Whether you do that or other conversations, here's a prompt. Are you religious? Do you consider yourself religious? Why or why not? And what does that mean to you? Here's your prompt. I invite everyone to rise in body or in spirit, and let's just take a moment to greet each other with a gesture of peace. We place one hand over our heart, and we just extend the other ones toward our fellow churchgoers this morning. Peace to all. And while you're standing there, you might want to reach down and grab your order of service. There's some words in there for our final song. And Vance is going to teach you the chorus to this song. It's called Home at Last. And we think it means home here in our Unitarian Universalist congregation. So the chorus, which I invite you to sing along with, goes like this. You can see the words in your order of service. I'm home, home at last. I'm finally home at last. Let's practice that together. And now I'm home, home at last. I'm finally home at last. Do it again. And now I'm home, home at last. I'm finally home at last. Here's the second part. I'll sing it for you. I dropped my bags on the doorstep of the past. Now I'm 
finally home at last. Try it with me. I dropped my bags on the doorstep of the past. Now I'm finally home at last. I think you're ready. <laughs> I used to believe in the holy word. I used to believe it was the way. I thought if I was good and said every prayer I should, I'd get to heaven on judgment day. But now I believe the Messiah is alive inside of you and me every day i say hallelujah because hallelujah it sets me free and now i'm home far ahead everything i want everything i need is in my soul my heart my head and i call this my religion god's alive in everything we see every day i sing god's praises for bringing heaven right down to me and may love bless you and keep you until we are gathered again. Blessed be.
And our last song here is actually technically not about religion, but it fits so well we had to do it. Okay. One, two, three, four, one, two.